welcome to Honestly Cat, the podcast full of life lessons that empowers, educates and enlightens women everywhere. It's my mission to show you just how gorgeous you are and give you the tools to upgrade and transform all areas of your life. So let's get started. Welcome to my eight-week pop-up podcast to celebrate the launch of my debut book, Born to Shine, The Modern Woman's Guide to a Happier Life. Over the coming weeks, I'll be exploring and discussing many of the subjects that I cover in my sparkly and transformational book. This series, I'm talking to various women who are shining examples of ladies who are living their purpose and fulfilling their passion. As Brené Brown once said, creativity is the way I share my soul with the world. The biggest gift I received after my personal transformation was the reignition of my creativity. We are all born creative, but life and its experiences can slowly wither it away. That was the case for me anyway. With a growing lack of confidence, I struggled when faced with a blank piece of paper. As I grew and understood the root of my lack of confidence, so did my creativity. The biggest act of creation was, of course, my kids, and my second product of my creative mind was my book, Born to Shine. You can now find me writing, drawing and generally flexing my artistic muscles and boy does it feel good. As a former interior designer, a job I took on as a way of exercising my creativity through drawing, planning of interior layouts and putting together furniture choices and colour schemes, I know all too well the power of creating an environment that invokes how you want to feel. Colours, for example, hold power and symbolise certain feelings, such as red represents danger, passion, energy and excitement, while yellow is associated with feelings of being optimistic, cheerful, playful and happy. One of the key things I talk about in my book is, if we want to change the way we think, live and love, then we must change the environment that we live in. This might come in the form of the company we might keep, the conversations we may have, the TV we might watch or music we might listen to. As I grew myself back up and fell in love with the new version of Cat, my home took on an overhaul too. In came the high-vibe quotes on the wall, out went the low-vibe books or magazine paraphernalia. My clothes and sense of style changed, and so did my conscious food choices too. I basically live and breathe a high vibe life so that I can ensure that I'm in line with who I want to be and what I want to create. In short, my external environment reflects my inner state of well-being. Which leads me on to this week's guest, Donna Ford, who is also a creative bunny and loves all things linked to colour and home interiors. She believes that our home should be a reflection of who we are, and that this desire to follow trends goes against our creative expression. With creativity linked to our level of confidence, we explore how you can grow your creative flair and design your own home and personal environment to mirror your deepest self. Don't forget you can purchase my book on Amazon and at all major bookstores, or simply just head to my website, catraincock.com. Donna Ford is a photographer, interior designer, blogger, and mum of two. She has a passion for helping others express themselves through their creativity, and that comes in the form of making your home a reflection of your soul. 
Donna feels passionately that our living spaces should reflect our personality and she is on a mission to help people figure out their own style rather than feeling that they have to follow trends, which, let's face it, we end up getting bored of until the next fashion trend comes along. Confidence can so often be linked to an inability or fear of expressing ourselves creatively through our fashion choices and, of course, home decoration. It's easier to just follow the latest fad in El Decor. And don't get me wrong, they are beautiful and very desirable. But what if we created a space that represented us, our personality? Then perhaps we wouldn't be chasing the next renovation or fashion trends because our homes would be a creative expression of our truest self. I'm delighted to introduce to the show Donna. Welcome, Donna. Hi, everyone. Wow, that was such a... Um, well-worded introduction. First of all, tell tell us a little bit about where your journey began and and how you got to where you are now. Okay, so um, it's really fascinating, actually. I think I've been really reflecting on this a lot recently, and in some ways, you know, the I think my desire for expressing myself was always there as a young child, um, and it's always been part of my life but not sort of it always encouraged within education at all. But um, what I do now in terms of um, my blog and the interior design and my photography started actually about two years ago. Um, and I, it really coincided with the birth of my second son. Um, and I had a real sense, actually, I think, of him being born, that he would bring a lot of new things into my life. Um, and I sort of had my year of maternity leave with him was actually quite a difficult time in some ways because I think my mind is in a bit of a fog of I know I want to change my career but I really don't know what it is that I'm wanting to do um, and after a lot of kind of searching I had a moment of inspiration where I knew that I felt I had something to offer uh, and decided I was going to start a blog but always with the idea that it was going to become a business it wasn't just for the, a hobby or for the sake of it but I really wanted to reach out and help people in a really practical way um and it then has just it keeps evolving as the months and you know go go past it changes into sort of new expressions and new opportunities so um that's yeah I think that's kind of the the short version (laughs) because what's what's interesting I think about me is that I had a really creative career beforehand um I my um, training is in dance and I used to be a dance teacher and choreographer um, so it wasn't even that I wasn't expressing myself or making a difference in people's lives. It was just that um, there was the shift, I think, in maybe my energy. I think I really struggled to be around kids all the time and and having to be quite high energy when I physically was quite exhausted, I think. Um, and also, I was just chatting to someone the other day and saying, I think when your kids are born, it, there's a natural you readdress everything in your life and you kind of, I think you want to get rid of all the things that are wasting your time or that, that don't are meaningful enough because you don't want to miss the time with your kids. You don't want to be going out to work to do something that you actually don't care about because what's the point really, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think there is a natural readdressing that happens and it, it doesn't obviously mean that everyone's going to change their career at all, but I think it's it's quite exciting actually that it's there's a rebirth of you not just as a mum but in your own identity um as well which is a really nice opportunity I think. So do you see that change then 
and what your kids or your second kid or you know becoming a mum you know that that rebirth do you do you see them as a gift much like I do that that they were the ones that showed me how I could make that change in my life yeah I do I really do I mean I also they my two boys then I'm three and five and they're completely different and actually there's aspects of their personality and just who they are which in themselves is a constant inspiration if if that makes sense Um, and particularly so Ethan my second is the most determined person and passionate person I've ever met and and sometimes when I just look at him and see him doing being like that it really inspires me I think particularly with running a business to to just keep going on those hard days or to think well Ethan doesn't take no for an answer so I'm not going to take no for an answer anymore. You mentioned that when when you were at school that that your creativity wasn't necessarily nurtured there what what, talk to me a bit more about that so I think it's really interesting because obviously my my first son is at school now and I'm and also because I used to work as a a teacher and a a sort of you know an arts facilitator I'm very in tune with how things how people teach things and how people learn so it's it's I, I actually the school that my kids are at in London I'm I think thankfully they are quite creative but um you know in our day so I was at school in the sort of mid 80s and I think it was unfortunate in some ways that I was really academic so I was very celebrated for being quite clever and really good at maths and science and everything and in some ways you get boxed into that it's then that becomes your identity and you don't then get encouraged to do the other things that you might enjoy um if, if that makes sense and I think for me particularly as I've been thinking about this a lot recently it was it within art that I think that the deepest sort of criticisms were given to me that I couldn't draw that I wasn't very good at that and actually that then translated into me believing for a long time that I wasn't creative because you know someone had said that about me and you take those beliefs on, don't you, deep into your subconscious. And Absolutely. They don't, you know, you have to actually really challenge them to change them. And But at the same time, outside of school, I was always into performing arts. So, you know, I did ballet from a young age and drama. I went to Liam Neeson's drama school in Northern Ireland. Um, and, yeah, just, um, and music as well. They, they were my real passions, actually. But they were things outside of school that were just a hobby, really. And they weren't part of my main education. And sadly, I gave them all up when I was a teenager, really. So I went through quite a long time of not expressing myself at all and getting my head down into science and maths, you know, and getting those good grades for GCSE and A-level. Um, and I look back, back on that. I was sadness in a way. That was a sort of opportunity missed, I think. Tell me, how do you see... Um this changing in the school system because I have so many clients that come to me with, uh, you know, maybe it's um, they want to move forward in their work or they want to move forward in their relationship or they want to change something in their life and they don't really know what it is that's going on. And when I put them under hypnosis, a lot of people, either they go back to a critical parent, Mm -hmm. but it's very common that they do go back to a critical teacher. And Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a scene or, um, you know, a very big episode that has taken place. It can be something as small as you stand up in class, Mm -hmm. you give an answer to a question that 
is not quite right and the teacher makes a, a you know a slightly critical comment and that has stuck and stuck with them and then and then what happens is we build on that we're like oh well we're we're stupid or I'm I'm not creative like like you were told and it and it really sticks so how mm. how do you see this changing if you're a mum and and I know it's something really important to me to ensuring that that if the schools aren't doing it I have to do it at home so how do you manage this having had that experience at school well I think it's really interesting that we've gotten onto this about education because it is a, I think a key part of the whole process but what I've noticed is it's not even just about the exclusion or inclusion of art subjects you know yeah we we all kind of will get something from that and, and learn skills from those activities in themselves but actually it's about the teacher and it's not necessarily again about what they're doing with us but I think it's their approach to things and what I'm seeing in Jack's school is that they have this amazing philosophy about growth mindset which is this approach that they're praised for their effort not for their outcome of anything they do and that if they have a problem or if they can't do something that they sort of have the creativity to somehow overcome it through perseverance you know and I see that as a really creative approach to teaching that I know because I'm seeing it a lot that how the teachers are treating Jack that I want to be more like as well, you know, that through my language and my approach to them, rather than seeing it as black and white, right or wrong, that they just have this space to explore and play and experiment and be creative, not just in the little activity they're doing, but in the way they think about things. Because I just think, I think that's the key. And I think also, I don't know if you know much about Carl Rogers, he he talks a lot about, um, he's started off, um, talking a lot about the relationship between therapist and patient was the key thing in order for therapy to be successful and then he went on to write about that within teaching and within schools as well and I just think I know when I was teaching dance it was the thing in the forefront of my mind was that I need to have a really great relationship with these people if they're going to learn something really valuable from me so I think it's about that relationship the depth of that is the key thing really and how do you see the link between confidence and creativity? Do you believe that being creative creates confidence or confidence creates creativity? Gosh, that's a great question. I think, I actually think it nurtures confidence because to be creative and whether that's, I mean, that it's, it's really hard sometimes to really pinpoint what that actually means because it can be doing a hobby, it can be trying something new. But essentially, when you sit down to make something from scratch, whatever it is, or engage with something, there's an element of risk within it that it's not going to turn out exactly how you want it to. But that's the point of it, that what I'm realising more about creativity, it's about the process. It's not about what you get to show at the end of it or how many hundreds of people like it. It's it's about that time and process you're taking to do it. And almost in a sense, you practice taking that risk and the more you practice it, then the more the less it becomes a risk. And I think that that's where the confidence maybe grows in in that experience. So let's move on to talking about colours and interiors. So you're really passionate about showing people how they can create their uh, create their own style or implement their own style. So talk to me about that. 
Yeah, so I think it's funny. It's probably, I think it was quite early on in my blog that I realised that that was the thing that is the key, actually. I think for myself, we had a flat that we renovated first and we did the whole thing from scratch. And we tried things and some things I liked and some things I didn't. But what I realised is that things I did like, there was something about it was really echoing who I really was. And so I, I start to think about that a bit more. And also, you know, there are obviously people in the interiors industry who do talk about this. Um, I had all these ideas that actually there's this process where we we have to go a bit deeper with ourselves, which I'm sure you're very aware of. It's sometimes quite a difficult and challenging thing to do because you have to be quite honest about who you are and what you like and what resonates with you. And then it's quite exciting to see how that translates into colour and pattern. And I, one of the key things that I do with clients that I learned from another sort of interiors blogger and the amazing M. Kate Watson-Smythe from Mad About the House was the fact that, because our fashion, you know, we very subconsciously choose things to wear and and we put them on our bodies. So, you know, we there's definitely some sort of, thing going on there in the background that is something that really resonates with us and how that by looking at our wardrobe can be a really great place to start to to see what we're really comfortable with and then how we can translate that and when I did this it was it was so eye-opening it almost was just like the perfect translation of what I love in interiors because I have lots of really dark blues and dark greys and I love those really dark moody interiors and lots of my shoes and the details on stuff would be quite industrial and that's kind of the thing I like in my lighting and accessories at home and also I love antiques and vintage objects and I have quite a few dresses with quite you know really nice vintage patterns and things so it's it's really interesting how that then when you go forward with that in your home you're not going to get sick of that idea you know you're gonna I paint it my living room a really dark blue over six years ago and I still absolutely adore it even though it's kind of come in as a fashion and gone out again in interiors that it's still resonates with me because of its meaning how do you view trends then do you think the fact that people in fashion and also interiors because they are they are as you say very linked do you think trends are a good or a bad thing or or neither nor you're I, I actually I think it's I think there's two sides to the coin actually you know I think on the one hand there is an element of with trends that it's a brand or a marketing company that's trying to sell something so they're trying to create an interest and an excitement about something particular because they want to sell that product um so in that sense I'm quite cynical about them and I sort of think I don't really care what the trends are because I don't think it matters really that much but on the other hand, I do think that we go, like the way we've always gone through movements, you know, within art, whether in music or dance or art or whatever, there's almost sometimes like a collective consciousness of, of why we're being, as a group of people or as a culture, being drawn towards particular things. Um, and so, for instance, I think, you know, there's been a massive sort of trend towards tropical prints and tropical wallpaper and cushions and things like that I wonder if that's because you know we as a country we're finding it quite hard hard economically at the minute and we're probably not going on those exotic holidays so much anymore so we're trying to bring it to us instead 
Um, so I, I do think there's two sides to the story. I think it's good to look at trends, but don't like it just because it is a trend. You know, like it because it's something that really resonates with you. And do you think that if one is lacking in confidence, that they are much more likely to follow a trend to feel connected. So I'm going to design the interior of my house um, in line with the current trend because I know that when people come over, they're going to go, oh, your house is really lovely. Or do you think a great interior is one that has been made as a creation from the soul? Definitely, because I actually quite struggle if someone says to me, can you just design a space? Because my first question is, but who's going to be using that space? Who's going to be there every day? Who's going to be part of it? Because that's who you're creating the space for. It doesn't matter what your friends think. You know, it really doesn't. It doesn't matter what, even what the experts think. And I think, like, I have to be, I think, quite careful in my role because, yeah, I want to help people with good design ideas, you know, and things that work well in an aesthetic way that's going to give them that advice that they don't have for themselves because they've not spent a long time researching and studying, you know, interior design as a sort of topic. So there is that sense of um, the way that you do things. You can, you know, come to someone like me or an expert to, to get that sense of, because there is that sense of how can I do it right and how can I do it wrong? And obviously with creativity, yeah. there is no right and wrong, but there mm. is still trick a way that it can aesthetically work together because there are certain colors and palettes that work or the fact if you've got a dark space you know what what are the proven ways that is going to make that a nice space to be in and try and make it a little bit more filled with light so there's those um you know strategies that will work but beyond that if if the space is created that just has absolutely no bearing to who you are at all then it's it's pointless really so it's the marrying of those two things which I think is what I love so much about my job because I really feel that this the idea with color yeah there's with color psychology there's kind of two strands where there's the way that our brains are wired to respond to particular colors because you know of evolution and the way our brains you know exist but then for me the most the more interesting side of it is why do we have a positive or a negative association with particular colours? You know, what memories, and this is probably very subconscious, that they conjure up for me that make me feel happy when I look at it. And for Mm -hmm. me, blues and greens are particularly, I think I I have a real connection to the sea. So that doesn't mean that I have pictures of the sea around my house at all, but it means that my colour palette is very based between blues and greens. And for me personally, they make me feel great being in a white room is literally my worst nightmare and that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with keeping your room at all but for me they they make me feel really on age and and actually I had a massive revelation about this um so going back to school I remember so vividly that we would have art homework at school and it was you had to do a pencil drawing of something you know like a shoe or something realistic and you were going to you know do a drawing that would really represent that in a real way and I got the worst marks for it I would constantly get like three or four out of ten and for someone who's quite academic it's quite crushing to then have a subject that you feel like you're really terrible at yeah absolutely you find yourself as I'm not very good at that mm. um and I realized that I had this fear of a, a 
a white page if someone put a white page in front of me and said draw something or paint something I literally even as a creative person I would freeze up and just literally didn't know where to start so I think you know that's high for me white has put a negative connotation isn't that interesting because Mm -hmm. for most people if we were to go into the psychology white or or cream actually they say creates a sense of calm and peace and and so actually it's it's the opposite for you so 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 in the work that you do and understanding the individual and the way in which they want to live in the environment if someone hadn't known that about you and they created a white space just because you said I want to live in a peaceful environment actually mm. it wouldn't have worked really? so that's where your gift is is really understanding and and also for people who can't necessarily afford to to have somebody help them do their house is this is about really tuning into what what you what makes your soul happy mm. and there is no right or wrong yeah and, and actually it's really interesting so when I was starting my business I got a kind of group of friends together and had a little bit of a you know a little focus meeting to try and talk through what I was trying to achieve and what they thought about it and how they would feel if they were going through this process and one of them actually had worked in some sense within the interiors industry and she had an amazing home it was lots of yellow actually and very mid-century um and I, I was asking everyone I want you to think about your favorite color and just start to think why you think that might be what what does it what do you connect with that color in a personal way and this friend she's oh I love yellow I really love yellow and she never ever had taken the time to think why and this is I love this so much and she had the penny just dropped and she was so it was so clear to her that as she was growing up that she lived in a row of houses and every single house had a different color of door and her door was yellow so she knew when she was coming home from school every day that when she saw the yellow door that she'd arrived home. Um, I know. And it's so simple. It, and that was obviously something she could recall quite clearly. But Isn't that that's lovely? Why, exactly. That's why her home is special to her. That that And she's put it everywhere. You know, she's really gone for it. And that colour is what brings her that sense of, well, it, for her in a literal way, a sense of homecoming and something that was so deep within her and so resonating with her as well so I've got so many stories like that where and that's the joy I think for me is that process with people is that they're not just getting to create a lovely room at the end of it that they enjoy being in or that they like showing to their friends but they're actually understanding about themselves a bit more and that that can translate into everything you know that can translate into what they wear or it can also sometimes, if you're out for a walk in nature, you can become slightly more attuned to the colours that that you're noticing over other colours and the flowers that you you pick out. Um, you sort of have a preference to spend more time lingering on those things. So it's not for me, in a sense, the interiors is a an opportunity, but it in a sense it's not just refined to that. You know, creativity can't just be within one subject or one expression it it kind of goes across everything I think in your life so that's an important part of it for me for sure this is really about the psychology and 
the subconscious associations that we have with, like the example you use with the yellow, because if a little girl is coming home to her front door every day and seeing that yellow front door, as an adult, if you're incorporating that color, that subconscious feeling and then chemical reaction in your body mm-hmm. is is really quite profound this this is this is big this is if mm. if we all knew that the importance of the memories that we have and how we can put it around us and wear it and have flowers around us that actually we're 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 subtly um i don't want to say indoctrinating but um, reminding ourselves over and over of that good feeling on such a deep subconscious level. And that's really powerful, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think that that's a really, I've never really <laughs> put it into words like that before. But it, but yeah, that's, and I think sometimes like, it's quite tricky, because I guess when people like come and want to work with me, or even sometimes on my blog, like I, I am a really deep thinker. And I always want to get to that next level of but why but why is that happening and I do feel you know that's probably a bit much for some people so it's it's a sort of balance of doing it in a really kind of you know because I'm not a therapist I'm that's not my role or what my job is at all but it's just helping people to connect themselves in some way um which is an empowering thing rather than you know something that is just hard work and isn't gonna give back to them in some way and enhance their lives I guess I think you're very unique in what you do because I think that there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily putting their homes together and their external environments together in a way that can help them as such. Mm. So how do you see the importance of our external environment and what we call our interior decoration within our home and our well-being? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think for me personally – it's it's going to sound probably a little bit crazy, but because my background is in dance and in performing arts, when I started to design rooms, there was some. It, it felt exactly the same. The process and my approach to it, it just it, it sounds so vastly different. But then when I sort of thought of it in the sense of you know in dance and in choreography, it's so much about the relationship of space between people or you know between the environment. That I think I'm quite sensitive and my I'm quite heightened to that how environments make me feel. So often in a, a restaurant, I'll feel like there's a particular seat that I want to sit in so that I can look at a particular backdrop. So whether that's either looking outside to the street or looking at the interiors inside that I think are really nicely put together or whatever. So I think personally I am quite sensitive to that and maybe there's degrees of you know how that makes people feel. Um but what I would say is that at the minute we've been sort of living through renovations and doing up our house for quite a long time. And I can definitely say that when you don't have sort of order, so this isn't just about the design, but also, you know, the clutter and the stuff that we have, that that does really affect our emotions on a daily basis. And, you know, if we, we all know now about Marie Kondo through her book and now her program on Netflix that, you know, her basis for what she does, it's not about making us all into minimalists or helping us do a good old tidy up. She really believes at the heart of it that, you know, when we declutter our houses, we declutter our minds. And, you know, that can only be a good thing. 
Absolutely. And I, and I know from a personal point of view that as soon as I've let go of some big emotions or something's come up and I've resolved something that's triggered me, often the, the, the thing I notice is I'm clearing out the garage or tidying a bedroom and, and, it, and there is a direct link between how our external environment mirrors the interior of, you know, of our minds mm. and, and vice versa. And, and if we were more aware of that, um, then, then we could do a lot more with that, that I know, you know, and it, it's a very powerful thing. Um, so mm. if, if our aim is to, um, to improve people's lives, that that's that's what I'm here to do, to help women live a happy life. And if you're in interiors and you understand the psychology behind certain things, what tools would you suggest to people to create a calm and happy environment? Are there any key things other than decluttering the area? Um, what else would you suggest? Well, so when I work with people, I send them Sometimes they call it homework. I don't like to call it homework. I like to call it, you know, sort of little tasks that they can do if they want to. Um, and there's, they range actually from in lots of different ways. As I've already said, looking at your wardrobe can be really, really insightful. And not necessarily with that deeper meaning of why you like particular things, but just as a way of being able to translate the colours. Because I think people do sometimes think, I'm going to paint my room white because that's what you do. And then I'll put colorful things in front of it and it'll be quick and easy and it'll be done and I just think that rarely satisfies unless you actually really passionately love white rooms which people do do for sure but that's probably a minority really and like just another little example is that I have two pink fluorescent dresses in my wardrobe that stick out like a sore thumb and it was so bizarre because at the time I was kind of really discovering this I just bought a piece of art for my wall that was bright pink and so there was this sense I'm attuned to colors at a certain time and it did manifest themselves in my home as well you know is on my body and what I'm wearing at the same time so that's a great place to start I think um and also it's about just it's in a way linked I guess a little bit to mindfulness like just being mindful when you're in particularly say in a restaurant or a cafe and you've you just look around and think, oh, this, this looks really great in here. And then going beyond that and saying, well, what colour are the walls? What What's the kind of theme of the style of the room? What What is it that I'm really enjoying about this space right now? Because if you, I think that some people feel that they'd love to have a really dark room and they're a bit worried that it's, it's not going to work or they're not going to like it. And I would say to them, well, try and find that environment and go and experience it and then you'll know. Because mm. dark rooms, for me, make me feel very calm and peaceful and they make me feel wonderful. For other people, they make them feel really, like, suffocated. So it's about being really aware and open to, you know, that how it makes you feel on a personal level. And also look at nature. You know, we get very obsessed with, oh, let's go into Pinterest and and find a 100 pictures that we love. And don't get me wrong, that's also very useful. But look at nature and think, what colours do I see together that maybe I've never noticed before and really like so that you're not just you're kind of connecting to everything around you not just um that your interiors aren't just a place where you live and you exist and you're at home but you can bring things from outside or or from other places that inspire you 
our greatest teacher is nature. The way, the beauty that it exudes, the colors that they put together. And although there is no such thing as perfect, the way in which nature speaks and um, shows itself is is such a powerful mm. teacher. And I think that's such a good tip for people to to see how it's really done, rather than like you say, going going into onto Pinterest and reading through you know L Decor, which again, like you say, is a great thing to do. But actually, I I also believe that nature is our greatest teacher. Mm. And, and if we can bring that inside, um, particularly because the psychological benefits to being outside are mm-hmm. so profound, yeah. and if we can then bring that inside. Yeah. And if you think some of, you know, the great interiors people, like, for instance, William Morris, who I'm personally not massively keen on his designs, but then I went to the Red House, which is near where I live in South East London, which is the house he designed to live in with his family, and learned way more about him. And that's exactly what he did. You know, he looked at his garden and the, the nature around him, and he wanted to create this repeating pattern, this very intricate pattern. You know, and he, he's got the exact same philosophy as Marie Kondo. You know, he's like, have nothing in your house that isn't beautiful or useful you know that's that's how you decide what you keep and what should go and how to make something work for you in your home so I find that really fascinating that you know in the 19th century he was saying that and now we have this like modern day um Japanese lady telling us the exact same thing but just in a slightly different way um and he, his greatest inspiration was nature so I think that's really um and if you delve a bit deeper, I, you know, there's there's so much nature in patterns and prints, you know. In, and do you know, do you know, as you do, you talk about this, I'm staring into a corner of my living room with a pile of colourful plastic toys that <laughs> need addressing. And if I'm going to take the advice of... Um, if it's not useful or what was the other one useful or beautiful yeah yeah then it should go well I think I've got some work to do after I finish recording this (laughs) podcast with you well actually as a side note I would just say you know I think I was just saying to a friend this morning it's sometimes a fight and battle when you've got kids because you know they're playing with their plastic toys their lego their bits and you know I don't want to be a mum that is more concerned with high tide in my house is than my kids enjoying playing with their toys and being creative so you know it's as you've already said nothing's perfect and sometimes you have to you have to give in to that <laughs> relinquishing control isn't it yeah <laughs> ah. thank you said there is yeah if it's not about it being perfect it's not about you know everything having it's exactly as all the time it's this balance I think between make you know using colors and things that are going to bring you joy but also that it's lived in, you know, that we aren't obsessed with everything being perfect and in its place all the time. Thank you so much, Donna, for all your inspiration and sharing your story of how you mastered the art of creativity. You know, despite your early years of feeling like at times with a critical teacher, your creativity was dwindling, you have well and truly stepped into your creative prowess, I like to say. Uh. And you, you know, you have a home now that symbolizes your inner truth and you're showing people how to do that. And that really is such a gift. 
I have no doubt that your words of wisdom will encourage other women to throw off their desire to follow trends and instead follow their hearts and express their truest selves, whether that's in their home or in their fashion choices. If there's one piece of advice that I would give to my listeners off the back of this podcast, it's go back to that little girl in you who loved to dance, sing, draw, paint, write and create because that is the part of you that needs to be reactivated. In my opinion, we are born creative. This is your self-expression. And in doing that, you, you watch your confidence grow and quite honestly, your soul sing. So thank you so much, Donna, for your inspiration. If, if any of you readers would like to know more about Donna, please head to her blog on skirtingboardsandchandeliers.com. Thank you so much, gorgeous Donna. Uh, so good to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Don't forget, you can purchase my book, Born to Shine, The Modern Woman's Guide to a Happier Life on my website, catraincock.com or at all major bookstores. Now off you go and shine your light. That's it for this week's Honestly Cat podcast. I'm Cat Raincock. Join me for more honest talk from honest women next week. <laughs>